You're listening to an episode of A Walk to Remember, a podcast created for Yom HaShoah. Join us today and every day in pledging to never forget the Holocaust. During their reign of terror, the Nazi party utilized many weapons and tactics of war against those who they oppressed. Arguably, the most potent method of control was their mass censorship of all types of literature, art, and media that displayed opposing political ideologies or anti-German values. Hitler understood the power of revoking these fundamental rights, as stripping away one's freedom of expression effectively strips away part of their humanity. This tirade against any opposing agenda took the form of aggressive restrictions on journalism, theater, and art galleries, and essentially became the antithesis of free speech. One of the most obvious avenues of this oppression was in the press. A specific sect of the government, known as the press chamber, was dedicated to monitoring all journalistic publications under the regime. It required a very exclusive membership and enacted strict guidelines to prevent negative or opposing publications of any kind from reaching the German people. All publications were subject to review and scrutiny by members of the press chamber to ensure the proper narrative was being disseminated. Jewish voices were completely removed, save for the handful of Nazi-approved Jewish publications, which served to outline regulations and intimidate readers with descriptions of punishments for those who failed to comply, as opposed to actually representing the voices of the Jewish community. A famous quote by Joseph Goebbels perfectly summarizes the attitudes within the press chamber. The press shall be uniform in will and multiform in carrying out that will. Another aspect of Nazi censorship was that of the visual arts. In an outrageous show of rigidity and control, modern art was rejected and demonized in favor of more traditional art that exemplified German values, such as strength, virility, and patriotism. Exhibitions were held for the sole purpose of ridiculing art that had not been approved by the regime. In 1937, the Ministry of Propaganda and Public Enlightenment, yet another branch of the government censorship machine, held an exhibit titled Degenerate Art, which featured modernist, Jewish, Bolshevist, and Weimar Republic art, as well as any other pieces that had been deemed unacceptable by the Nazi party. A home movie of the exhibit shows that it included Africanate-style art as well. Outside of these specific exhibits of mockery, inappropriate genres of art were strictly prohibited by the Reich. Music censorship, censorship was similar in practice to that of visual arts. Modernist composers and pieces were not permitted under any circumstances, and music made during the Weimar Republic was considered intolerable as well. Several propaganda officials even held a degenerate music show in 1938, which was conceptually identical to the degenerate art exhibition the year prior. The show featured the work of several modernist composers and was designed to humiliate them and make a joke out of their work. While theaters remained open, they were only permitted to perform certain German artists and pieces, and a Nazi administrator was placed at each theater to review the repertoires and ensure that they were abiding by the regime guidelines. However, the abstract nature of the censorship policies made them difficult to enforce and they were often contradictory. To add on to this, the Nazi party was unable to regulate the music enjoyed in private homes and was often unable to prove guilt in this regard. One of the more dramatic and flagrant acts of censorship committed by the Nazi party was the burning of millions of books. The Nazi book burning was less regimented and specific than other sects of their oppression, such as the press chamber. Instead, 
Books were mainly burned at the whim of Nazi officials, who targeted Jewish and occupied communities. Since books were so integral to these cultures, the scorching of their great works and histories, such as the Polish Incunabula, served as a way to devalue them as people and take away the stories that define them. It was a different and very emotional level of subjugation and oppression. When examining the history of the Holocaust, this is an essential dimension to consider, since the suffering of the Jewish people did not only take place in concentration camps, but was ever-present in each aspect of their lives under the Third Reich. Lastly, one of the most personal and cruel elements of Nazi censorship was the editing of concentration camp and ghetto prisoners' letters to their families. Letters were censored in an attempt to conceal the horrific living conditions and slaughter of innocent people taking place in these areas. Each letter was proofread by camp authorities before it was sent out to be mailed to make sure it did not contain any incriminating accusations or descriptions. Many used coded language in order to communicate the reality of their situation to their families. While the Nazis' censorship attempts did slow down the dissemination of information about these harsh conditions, it ultimately failed to contain the news of these atrocities. Censorship was one of the easiest and most potent methods of subjugation employed by the Third Reich. It crushed free thought, expression, and intellect, and dehumanized those who experienced it. It presented itself in a variety of ways, but was perpetually present and constantly oppressive in the lives of those affected by it. While it was quite an effective way for the Nazis to disseminate their rhetoric and terrify citizens into compliance, their logic was filled with gaping holes, and the people of Germany and occupied nations still found ways to preserve their culture and keep it alive even throughout the darkest of days. Thank you for listening. All the episodes in this podcast were written and researched by the students in Mercyhurst's History and Memory of the Holocaust class. We'd like to thank the U.S. Holocaust Memorial Museum, which provides educational resources, primary source collections, and more at no cost to students and educators like us. Education is the first step to combating hate. You can support this mission by supporting your local Holocaust education initiatives or by donating directly to the U.S. Holocaust Memorial Museum at ushmm.org support.